Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! Welcome back to the Can't Wait podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed a weekend of football action without the stress of the Jets playing. It was a big weekend for bad teams. Four teams that had one loss entering week seven came out of it with a win. I'm Tim McMaster along with the Athletics Jets reporter Zach Rosenblatt. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We're happy to have you here, whether you're watching us live or you're listening to it after the fact. If you're watching us live, we didn't have the fun intro music because, man, we need Marissa back <laughs> as soon as possible. I used the wrong stream. So, there's account. so many buttons, you know. It's a disaster. But we are doing a mailbag today, and I got all the mailbag questions from Twitter loaded in as banners. So, yeah, and, and send some questions in, in the chat, so too, and we'll hit you guys, yeah. too. Yeah, we'll take some from the chat as well. Um, hit the thumbs up sign. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already on YouTube and also on the audio version. And tell your friends about the Can't Wait podcast. Fun show today. Will Parkinson, host of Turn on the Jets, is back. I, we had him on last year. I think we've – I don't know if this is his third or second time. I feel like it's second or third, yeah. Um, the, oh, we he's love friend of the Will. pod at this point. Friend Absolutely. of the pod. We, yeah. we love when Will comes on, so he'll be here as well. Before we bring in Will, though, Zach, how was your bye week? Uh, it was we, we were talking about this a little before uh the show like i most years i would like go on a trip during the bye week and it always winds up being a bad decision because i need that week to like rest and i would wind up like going to new orleans or like something where you're not sleeping at all <laughs> and uh so this trip i i stayed in my apartment um i saw a couple movies by myself in the middle of the day which is one of my low-key favorite activities to do it's like i'm like an old woman uh you know just going with her friends except i go by myself to see a movie in the middle of the day when it's the cheapest saw a couple horror movies because it's horror movie season and samantha does not like horror movies so if i'm gonna see them i have to watch them alone uh and one night i like went out in the city uh with another jets reporter not named connor uh, just to oh, like get good. get some food at this place called Golden Diner, which makes the best pancakes I've ever had. And we watched some uh, Phillies baseball. And Saturday, we made a last second decision to go see John Mayer in Long Island. So I saw him for the second time in that. like a month. And it was a great show. Set list was amazing. Uh, yeah, so I had a nice like chill week, you know, but making a lot of food, just trying to, you know, relax, uh, you know, unwind before the the craziness of the second half of the jet season comes because as we know, nothing ever normal is around here. That was the most normal bye week we've ever had, probably <laughs> around here. Yeah, um, right. No, like just no. nothing. I mean, McCole Hardman got traded, and he he got traded. I guess the timing was okay. So I, I parked at the movie theater, see the tweet that he got traded, make, double check, make sure it's real. I have to write something on my phone, and I walk in as the trailers are happening. Luckily, I didn't miss any of the movie I was seeing, but um, yeah. So that pretty low key bye week, frankly, and I'll take it. Um, a lot of stuff coming. I mean, this week should be fun. Snoopy Bowl. But um, yeah, I'm 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 recharged and ready for the second half of the season. It was pretty it was pretty clutch. I had my greatest regular season fantasy football win of all time. I was down 60 points after Sunday's games. Uh, the CBS fantasy actually said that the other guy had a 100 percent chance of winning, not 99.9, 100 <laughs> percent chance of winning. Monday night, I had Kirk Cousins and Jordan Addison playing. They put up 63 points. I won by two points. People are saying, why is Kirk Cousins your quarterback? Fair, Plenty of fair questions. Um, we've been <laughs> rattled by injuries on the team. Uh, but all time, great regular season. There you go. Win. It's big. All right. With that, let's move on to the Jets and let's welcome in Will Parkinson. Hey, Will, man. How you doing? Good, guys. Excited, uh, excited to be back on. Yeah, it's good to be here. You've Since you were last year, you were married. Yeah, I got married, um, you know, took the plunge and, uh, <laughs> you know, she's been at every Jets game this year. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, she she's all in. Uh, got her some nice good apparel. She used to be a Giants fan back in the day. You converted uh, her. Oh, you converted, brought converted her, her She is all in. That's true she, like, love. Bru- wow. Bruised her hand, punching the railing. Uh, kind of messed excited. up of you. Kind of messed up of you to turn somebody into a Jets fan that oh, wasn't before. The, the yeah, although future. Giants yeah. fandom, right? Yeah, now, true. Not, yeah, true. Yeah, true. I was gonna say the future kids are gonna be Jets fans no matter what. It was just a matter of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of getting her on board. Yeah. As long as mom and dad both liked it, then it's, uh, that's a that's the goal. Hey, the, uh, the home crowds have been pretty amazing this year so far. Yeah, they've been. They've been nuts. I I talked to I had Tyler Conklin last week on the pod. And he was saying like last year it felt like the fans weren't kind of kind of not sure how to react. They were like, "Are we good? Should we get excited?" <laughs> it felt he's like this year. It's felt like everyone's all in. And even though 
obviously Rogers goes down week one, four yeah. plays in, et cetera. Like the fact that they won that game, I think everyone left that game going, I have no idea what the season's going to bring, but like this team's really good. And yeah. I think the fans have bought into that and they've, in years past, feels like the Jets have barely been on prime time, obviously, for a long time. But when they have been, they just haven't played well. And this year, every big game, it feels like they've, for once, come up and raised their level yeah. of competition and uh, or played to the level of competition, whatever the saying is. Or, like, or, or even like brought the other, like played in a way that brought the other team yeah. down to them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that's something that gives fans hope like, oh, this is a big spot. We can get excited because we know they're not going to like crash and burn. Again, they haven't really played a lot of bad teams and the bad teams they've played, they haven't looked as good. So yeah, that's uh, a great point, honestly. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, that changes. But again, like it's been exciting to be at MetLife every Sunday. There's this stadium's packed, whether it's, you know, 100% Jets fans or not is a different question, but uh, at least it's been exciting and, and a fun fun game to watch on, on Sundays and Mondays. And they've I had like the, just they've had like the one. three they've had like yeah. the three most watched like games in the in the league or something this season too. Yeah, Whatever. which is nuts. Possibly yeah. Taylor Swift influenced, but at least one of them. Yeah, I remember week one texting uh, Zach after the injury and being like, "How quiet is it in that place?" And he was like, "It's weird. It's still loud. Like people are still excited even after yeah. Rogers went down." And I was yeah. like, "Wow, that's." I think there was a lot of shock yeah. there too. Like. Did we see what we thought? We just saw like that yeah. kind of thing. Like, it was yeah, so, we didn't yeah. know yet how serious it was, I guess. Yeah. Well, even yeah. in the stadium, like you were trying to check your phone and like, you know, there was, I have not ever seen MetLife like that. So it was impossible to get updates. And like, all you saw was, I, you couldn't see any real injury, right? You're not seeing a slow-mo replay of Rogers and his, his calf uh, vibrate yeah. or whatever. So all you saw was the cart and you're like, all right, is it, an, it said ruled that ruled out with an ankle. So I have yeah. no idea what's going on. And then, you know, obviously at halftime, you see the TVs are playing chef there saying like the fear of, you know, fear of an Achilles. And you're like, all right, well, then they score that first drive. They go down. I think they made a 13 six or, or whatever it was. And it was like, you know what? We're already here. You might as well scream your face off for the next two hours. Cause we're going <laughs> to sit six hours of traffic going home. Yeah. So when you think about the fan base right now and in by weeks past, I feel like it's usually a chance to like, just regroup and just prepare yourself for the, the the inevitable bad second half of the season. But because of the way the first half, we'll say half pre bye week season ended with the win over the Eagles, I feel like this the fan base is as mentally stable as I ever remember it coming out of a bye week. <laughs> yeah, I, they, they did win the Bills game before the bye week last year, I believe. Right? Wasn't that the time? Yeah. Yeah, so. and they were six. Yeah, they were. I don't know if they did. True. They win again. I don't even know if they won. Again. Uh, they won one more won, game. One, yeah, one more one game. More game. <laughs> they were six and yeah. three, right? And right. Then, yeah. yeah. Um. So you hope for that was like the big storyline of the press conferences yesterday. It was asking about what gives them confidence they can do better this time. And and honestly, like we've talked about it, it the, the, this team feels very similar to last year's team. The main difference is Brees Hall is still around right now. Uh, and it is crazy in 2023 that a team is so reliant on a running back good timing going against the giants who are maybe the only other team and them and like the Titans are like the teams that are most reliant on like they're running back leading them because without a quarterback, they need the running game to work. So that it's a formula that like in theory, I don't see how it could work over a full season, but if they keep grinding out games like this against good teams, like they should in theory be better against the bad teams where the offense plays a little better. Um, not a lot of great teams left on the schedule. So yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody should feel pretty good about where they're at, but also I think maybe don't get a little too. Everybody's kind of talking about this team, including from the team, like they've already made it. Like they they absolutely need to prove that they can still maintain. If they lose to the Giants this week, like it is very week to week around here. But if they lose to the Giants this week, then every all the goodwill goes away right away. So. Oh, yeah, very fast. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a couple of different things. I think the last two years it's been coming out of the bias from the Patriots. One the one two years ago, obviously they were not a good team. They get boat race i think it was like 54 13 out of the bye against new england that's obviously a, a team that's eons ago but then last year they come out of the bye and it just feels like the patriots that was kind of the game zach wilson basically lost his job and it was kind of the beginning of the end obviously matt milano ends their season by injuring mike white uh later in the year but i feel like this year it's the team is a lot around the team the team was good last year but i felt like this team is is doing a lot of things that we kind of wanted them to do and you know a little bit better we wanted yeah. them to get garrett wilson more targets he's getting the ball more whether it's producing multitude of touchdowns or not is a different story, but it's Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson's looks better this year. You know, Quincy and CJ both playing well at the same time. I think I saw before Quincy Williams on pace for like 
170 tackles, six sacks, like He's four forced fumbles. Yeah. It's some Madden, like Luke Keekley numbers from like Madden <laughs> stuff when you were when you were yeah. younger. And I also just think that the optimism is the AFC is not quite as good. You know, people wanted this team to be. I thought everyone thinks thought going into the year they'd be a playoff team, whether they were Super Bowl contender. We had to kind of wait and see. Obviously, they don't have Rodgers right now, but I think it's also the potential Rodgers is coming back, and it's like keeps getting hyped up a little bit more. It's like, <laughs> hey, if we take care of business here, you know, there's three games in a row where I think the Jets should win all three of these games, whether they do or not. Obviously, is what you're mentioning. It's week to week, but there's a very real chance they're six and three going to that Bills game, and you're going, man, if we split here, like the division's still up for grabs, and we have the potential of maybe, even if it's not realistic, maybe Rodgers comes back. All of a sudden, you're like, wait. Four plays into the season, we thought it was over. And now all of a sudden, every single thing we wanted to happen is still kind of in play. I think that's that that optimism there. And then again, it's not that they're beating all these bad teams and they're still getting blown out by good teams. It's like they beat the Bills. They should have beat the Chiefs. They beat the Eagles. You know, I think that's where you feel like this team's well, – we talked about it a little bit before, but they're raising kind of the bar of – you expect them now to – to go up against anybody and have a good chance to win because we've seen them beat the best of the best. So I think that's why there's the optimism. But again, I also think that AFC not being quite as good and beating up on each other a little bit, like Buffalo looks much more mortal. Miami hasn't beaten a, a good team in feels like two years, you know, obviously the AFC North's good, but week to week, the Browns defense was lauded as like even better than the jets. And they give up 7,000 yards to Gardner Minshew and Michael Pittman. So I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. And again, KC not looking they're six and one and they're going to host, you know, probably the AFC title game. That said, um, obviously we've seen them kind of struggle, you know, through week to week, but again, um, there's reason for optimism, but if you don't take care of business this week in the next couple of weeks, um, everything kind of reverts back to panic mode. Got to win the ones you're supposed to. All right. Injury front before we get to the mailbag, um, sauce and DJ Reed still in concussion protocol. Um, Zach, is that just because, they can leave them there right now or is this legitimately a concern heading into the weekend yeah i mean i lean more towards they're just coming back i mean i saw sauce garner was like flying to vegas for some twitch convention or something so i can't imagine he'd be cleared to fly if uh, yeah that's a sentence yeah i had to say out loud in 2023 um yeah i i'll, I'll be concerned if wednesday we get to wednesday and they haven't been cleared to return yet especially dj because he's been on uh protocol longer i I, I realize why everybody panicked. I think Salah could have clarified maybe a little better, but he doesn't really like talking about injuries and only and in a positive way. Yeah. Only a positive way, which usually like it, like it's got, it's gotten kind of funny at this point to me. Anytime I tweet like a, a positive injury update from Salah, like I tweeted about Joe Tippman, who you're going to ask about. Yeah. Joe guys. Tippman is a quick healer. According yeah. To he's, Salah, so I, I had people saying, oh, great. Well now Joe Tippman's getting both his legs amputated. Oh great. He's in a coma. <laughs> like it's like the, the amount of every single reply, like immediately. And it's a, Fans are just like so out on Salah's injury updates. Like he's better off just like pulling the day ball and not saying anything. Honestly, like for our sake, like I don't know, it gives us something to write about when he when he gives hope for something and then the guy's out for five weeks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I I based on how he reacted after the game, uh, the Eagles game when Tipman got hurt, I I was I wasn't very confident coming out of that that Tipman would be playing again this year or for a while. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. If he if he doesn't practice this week, then I feel like we can safely. Or if he gets put on IR on Saturday, which seems to be the day they do that stuff, uh, then we'll know for sure. I, I'd be surprised if he played this week, certainly, and I I would imagine a few weeks he'd be out, which is a big loss, which we've talked about. Um, he's been look he was looking very very good. Now that their depth on the interior is just like, if they get one more injury, they're screwed. Um, they don't really even have any options that you would like. Billy Turner might be their top guard backup right now and he's their top tackle backup technically and and uh i mean they've dennis kelly on the practice squad he's a veteran but he's more of a tackle like they have a couple of guys i'd never heard of until i looked at the practice squad the other day that play guard um yeah i don't, I don't know what the move is there I, I, anytime i do you write about trades fans are always like they need a trade for an offensive lineman well every almost every team in the league needs offensive linemen and teams that have them are not usually giving them up so i i wouldn't expect anything like upgrades on the online, but their their depth is absolutely a concern right now. Yeah. It also doesn't feel like because Sauce and DJ Reed haven't practiced, like that's the reason, part of the reason. Like if they don't practice, they can't clear that last hurdle of protocol. Like they have yeah. to go out on Wednesday and not, you know, Sauce can't be nauseous and DJ Reed, you know, obviously that would be concerning though. If DJ Reed's not cleared by like Thursday or Friday, it's like this is now going on two and a half weeks of a concussion yeah. that nobody even knew happened. The Sauce one, 
felt like a little different. It felt like, you know, I don't know. The read one was a little concerning if this is going to go on a third week and the Titman thing, like, isn't it kind of weird to you? It felt like almost the Izzy injury in the preseason too, where like he got hit and you're like, Oh my God. It, like Sal even said on hard knocks, he's like, his knees cooked. Uh, and then yeah. after then the game, he back, he's like, yeah. yeah. Then he was back two weeks later. It just feels like if Salah gives you injury news that it's concerning, he's probably back and starting the next week. And if he says he's ready to play, there's a good chance he's getting his last meal before he passes away. Like there's no, although we have, yeah, although we have no evidence that Izzy is healed because we haven't seen him. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say he's in a he's in a hyperbolic chamber with Roger somewhere. <laughs> I mean, we're in the we're in the free uh, Izzy camp. I'm sure you are too. Oh uh, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a I'm an Izzy over Michael Carter guy, not actually over yeah. Dalvin Cook, which I know is not a popular take, but well, Dalvin, third, Dalvin third has down, looked down, better. Yeah. Dalvin has looked a little better the last couple of weeks. I know he's not prime Dalvin yeah. Cook, but at least he looks a little bit more explosive. And they're kind of like I just would like to see like. I don't know. Michael Carter doesn't really offer you much outside of like really good memes at this point. Um, so <laughs> when I, it, I Izzy, like... Izzy just has like juice as a runner, which, you know, if you're taking Brees out, you kind of need some of that. Like, I, maybe they don't, tr- they probably don't trust him in protection, but like the offense yeah, he, is his, not him, producing you in college, you yards in college. That was not his thing. Pass yeah. pro and catching the ball is not his thing, but like, I don't know. Can't you use, you can mix Dalvin and Brees. And if you're going to give Izzy some, you know, first down, maybe a first and second down to spell Brees, and then you kind of bring him back in on third down and use him as a receiver. I don't know. Again, like, I know it's tough. He's, like, literally just turned 21 years old. Yeah, he's the youngest guy. In the yeah, league. he's literally. So, like, I, I get the concern with running back, but, like, the fact that Brees is now kind of – we saw it against the Eagles. He, all of the, like, you know, pitch count and, like, third down. Like, he's the number one back, and he's their bell cow back now, and now everything is just, like, spelling him at points. Like, I think, what do you have, five for – five catches on against the Eagles, I believe, or something like that. So, yeah, I, I don't worry about the the running back stuff. I just would like to see Izzy get a shot here to maybe yeah. – he's got that home run speed that he maybe, you know, we're kind of hoping McCall Hardman would offer this offense. But yeah. um, he has that 4-2, maybe he could break one or two, you know, over the course of the rest of the year, and that's worth uh, that's worth playing him, you know, week in, week out. Yeah, well, that, that just kind of goes back into, like, um, like this coaching staff just, like, working with the hand behind their back in so many ways. Like you're playing Randall Cobb slow Dalvin cook, who, you know, like you said, he's looked better, but at the same time, like it just feels like the offense stalls when he's in there. Cause he can't get more. Like he, I don't even think he's had a carry over 10 yards. Like, and it's not, a, there's not a threat that he's going to burst one. Like you need guys who are threats. And that's why Xavier Gibson, uh, we have a bunch of questions, so I won't step on it too much, but um, yeah, I just think the staff needs to get their explosive players on the field because the offense has not been good. Like, and they should be like, and you'll take a win when you can take it, but some of these wins should have been even bigger than they were. Like they forced four turnovers and barely like, you know, beat the it's, Eagles. They've gotten in the red zone 10 times. Yeah. They get to the red zone games. a lot and That's they never it. close it out. Yeah. It's just like, it's there that, and I know sometimes everyone gets on Salah for like coach speak and stuff like that. And like every coach on the NFL does it. You could literally watch a press conference of anyone other than maybe like Nick Sirianni, who, you know, likes to likes himself a lot in front of the camera to, to be polite and you know they've got they went from they can't move the ball at all to they can now move the ball kind of as much as they want it's that there's one play per drive and i really believe this if you go back and watch it it's always one play per drive yeah. it's a bad first down run it's a penalty it's a sack it's a drop it's a misread by zach whatever it is it's a one play drive and it's you know at least they're scoring but now it's like even if you converted half those yeah, they, prob- they blow out the Broncos by I don't even know how many. And honestly, they could have blown the Eagles out if they score some of those touchdowns. It's like, wait, the Jets are winning 24-14, not needing to rely on that. So this is one of those games, especially this stretch here where we talked about them, you know, being a better team, at least on paper. I feel like in all three of those teams, I don't again, you have to go out and win. But yeah. like, don't let those teams hang around, especially a Giants team where like they're feeling good after scoring two offensive touchdowns in their last 48 drives. Like that's all great. But if you you got to get up on teams early. Then you can unleash this pass rush. Then you kind of can like open up the offense. Teams aren't queuing in on Brees Hall 24 times. Zach has more time. It just don't like, why do you have to dig yourself a hole? Why do you have to be down 13, three at home every game before, before you kick it in? And then, you know, it's so hard to come back in the NFL. It's like, I don't know. No, I know. I don't hate soccer references, but like if you're down two nothing in the first 20 minutes, like why do you have to put yourself in that spot to have this miraculous three, two win? Like, just win three nothing. It's not that hard. Yeah. 
All right, let's get into the mailbag. You guys already answered one of the questions, which is about Izzy and, and why he's been playing and all that stuff. But there's plenty of questions, obviously, about the trade deadline, what this team might do. So let's jump in right there. Upstate Jets says, do the Jets make a move on a wide receiver before the trade deadline? And who would you target if you were JD? Will, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on this one. I think they should make a move, whether it's it's either activating. I know this isn't necessarily a, it's an internal move, but like I'd love to see them. Uh, potentially either bring an Irv Charles or a Jason Brownlee in just to be able to move Garrett Wilson around a little bit so he's not pigeonholed to have to play outside. Maybe they can get him some matchups in the slot. Um, if you look outside the organization, Corlin Sutton has familiarity with Hackett. He's only got a year and a half left on his deal. It's relatively cheap money. He's you know still in his mid-20s and obviously still produces. He's more of an above-the-rim guy. Again, allows you to play Garrett Wilson around the formation. Um, that probably cost you a fourth or a fifth-round pick. I have no interest in Jared Judy for the Jets. I think if you're getting mad at Steve Smith on, on prime time, you know, if you have one drop here, it's not it's just not going to – it doesn't feel like that would go well. <laughs> Terrace Marshall is another one, a younger guy, cheaper deal, wouldn't cost you much, can play inside and, in in, you know, and outside. The Renfro one's interesting, but, like, he just – I don't know if he's just not good anymore. It's, like, kind of hard to tell. I don't know what's going on there. Again, if you want to flip Carl Lawson for Hunter Renfro, they make virtually the same money, sure, like that – makes sense i just don't know out you know else are you going to trade for paris campbell like is that really going to move the needle so whether it's maybe bringing a guy like a younger guy like a brownlee um or a charles just to play 10 reps a game maybe in the red zone and get garrett wilson outside of just having to be a pigeonholed x receiver um you know that's one option and again sutton terrace marshall uh renfro that names that make the most sense as much as Devonte makes a million so much sense i just think that's something that happens uh if it does happen you know it'll happen in around draft time i don't think that's something that's going to happen now and i don't see joe douglas wanting to part with a, a first round pick if rogers was here and playing i think that was a legit conversation but um yeah those are the three names i think that are most realistic at least uh for right now yeah yeah i i i, I lean towards joe not trading for one but um i don't wouldn't put it past him i guess like i the names you mentioned, I, I wrote something the other day. Those were all listed, and I also put uh, Darnell Mooney and Rashad Bateman because Mooney, the Bears, are kind of a mess, and they're probably going to – I mean, I guess they – didn't they win the other day? Yeah, they blew yeah, out they, the Raiders. Right, they blew out the oh, – the Raiders are trash. Um, the backup quarterback game. And uh, and I said Rashad Bateman just because he's not really like doing – he's not really playing much on the Ravens. I think he's pretty talented, so um, they have a lot invested in other guys. So uh, there, there are like guys you can buy low. Like if Terrace Marshall wouldn't cost much, then – you know, bring in another talented guy, see if he can do anything. But they, if they like Drayson Brownlee, like they said, then I don't know, would you rather Brownlee or Marshall? Because Marshall hasn't really shown anything in the NFL. So, um, yeah, things to consider. Like, they need to find something. I think Cobb can't really play more. And you're relying on Xavier Gibson, an undrafted rookie who has one catch. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, but he hasn't really shown anything on offense yet as a receiver. Um, so, all of a sudden, like, this, this looks like, and we've talked about this. I'm sure you have on yours too. Like the receiver room just all of a sudden looks like a weakness now where I think early in training camp or like they're so deep here. They have so many different things they can do. Corey Davis, um, Cole Hardman. Now all of a sudden two of those guys are gone. <laughs> Randall Cobb is playing way more than anybody would have predicted, including the Jets, I think, when they signed him. And now you're relying on a guy that you didn't know, most of the fan base didn't know existed in April. So Yeah. Um, the only other thing too is like, I guess you could counteract it with like, just run a ton of 12 personnel with Ruckert and Conklin and like, and hope that if you just run Lazard and Wilson yeah. out there and like Ruckert and Conklin, Conklin offers you enough. He's probably the second best receiver route runner on this team, which yeah, I, I, I'm, I just feel like that's maybe the only other solution is you just go to this heavy kind of 12 personnel package. You run out of it, you lean on Brees and then you hope that Lazard, you know, and, and Garrett Wilson are enough to get the job done and Gibson every you know, 12th play makes a play, but yeah, I, I love Xavier Gibson. It's really, it's an interesting story. And it does make sense to prioritize keeping him over a guy like McCall Hartman, just because he's theoretically under contract for four more years on really cheap money and he's younger and homegrown, et cetera. But like he has three total touches on the year. Like maybe let's pump the brakes on like future, future superstar. He might be, but like, let's, let's let him a couple targets first before we start going too far. Well, and, and I should say, and we'll answer the question Tim put on the thing in a second, but uh, um, like the Jets are, have been using the, we traded McColl away because Xavier emerged. But as you, <laughs> you mentioned, as we just talked about, like he's played yeah. 10 snaps a game and he has 
uh, one catch and two carries. Like it's not like you're using him. Like Randall Cobb took what the role that they wanted to give McCole Harbin, but they're not saying anything about that because Randall Cobb has been the literally the least productive receiver in the NFL. That's such a hard. Don't you feel like that? I talked about this. It's such a hard way to like operate with Cobb because I think if there's a way to approach it that he could you like go and talk to him and be like, listen, you're gonna play like ten snaps a game. We we'll use you more in the red zone and like once in a while, but like you can't totally botch that relationship knowing that he is like probably the most veteran person like that's around the team day to day and he's Roger's best friend and like I know yeah. people don't want to hear this but if he's coming back this year and he's obviously coming back next year maybe another year who knows you can't like do what Green Bay did a lot of to what Rogers were like they he felt like they were going behind his back they weren't it just it's a really difficult decision of like telling a veteran you're, you don't have it anymore it's just it's it's one of the worst I think one of the worst parts about being a coach especially a younger coach where like this guy you need him bought in but you know he's not going to play as much it's just I just find that conversation I think something that we don't talk about enough of like how do you tell Randall Cobb hey we're kind of benching you but we need you to be bought in because we get, we're going to need you at one point yeah. this year and we don't know when but we're going to need you at something for some reason. Well, well I'm sure here. just what happens is they still play him, just not as much. Maybe that that's that the everything I've heard is that their plan is to play Gibson more from Cobb snaps, especially on third down. I think you'll see Gibson a lot more. I don't know. We'll see if they follow through with it or if Hackett, you know, if Gibson makes a mistake, does he just turn to Cobb again? Like I don't know. But um at, at I Ranch asked any possibility of Corey Davis coming back. I I don't I haven't heard anything on the Corey Davis front including like particularly why he left. I don't think he's really t- told anybody necessarily, but I don't see that happening. But though they do miss Corey Davis all of a sudden, which is funny because he's another guy at the fan base. I feel like underappreciated <laughs> over the years. Yeah, Corey Davis was the classic needed to like get three mistakes out of his system in the first quarter. Yeah. And you'd be so mad. And then would come up with these huge like catches in the fourth quarter, the Minnesota game. Yeah. I think he had like two illegal formation penalties and a drop in the first quarter. And you're like, dude, you gotta be like you can't be serious. You're false starting as a receiver over and over again, and then the fourth down, Mike White, you know, infamous throw. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's like amazing catch. So and he had the yeah, touchdown against the yeah. Browns too. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it doesn't make any sense. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, I just don't feel like Cor- the, the Corey Davis thing. Well, there'll be, well, there'll be a piece in twelve months of like, <laughs> there's definitely something way more serious. And I think people, I just don't think you fall in love with football enough to walk away from fifteen million dollars. Like. Maybe I'm shameless with that, but like, <laughs> I just feel like there was something going on there that, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird one for sure. Back to the point on Cobb. I feel like if there's anybody who could handle that conversation about like, we want you bought in, but you it's know, Rogers. Much time, it's him, right? It's Cobb. Yeah. Like he almost retired last year and he came yeah. back and I feel like he came back to be around the guys, right? Like that's part of it is like wanting to be in the locker room and being with his buddy and all that stuff. I, I feel like he's, He's one guy who could handle it. Um, all right. This one from Dan Bow 76. Who's the most approachable in the locker room this year? And who are you most afraid to approach? And why is it Michael Clemens? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Go ahead, Zach. I'm trying, I'm trying to. So one answer we have to mention who you had on your pod is Tyler Conklin. He's pretty openly campaigned for uh, for the media good guy of the year. He's, he's like even mentioned it. He's like, I'm trying to win that. And so he's Who won that like, hey. last year. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it was Sheldon Rankins. That's right. like right. a Sheldon Rankins, guy. the goat. He was a yeah. go-to guy in the locker room uh, for sure. I'm trying to think who are some other good ones who are the most approachable. DJ Reed's always very approachable. Jermaine Johnson's one of the few guys that just like always at his locker to the point. And I kind of fell back as last year. I didn't really talk to him that much, but he was always at his locker. Lincoln's, um, Lincoln's another one. Lincoln Thomas Lincoln's is another good. one. Yeah. Lincoln's at his locker a lot. I base it around like guys who are even just like at their locker and and then if they're willing to talk a lot, which most of the guys are, but some sometimes aren't. Um, in terms of, I wouldn't say I'm afraid to approach anybody, though I, I definitely don't go up to Michael Clemens often. And I would say Billy Turner is another one that nobody really talks to because he kind of has a vibe that he doesn't really want to talk to anybody. And uh, he, he sometimes will like put on loud music as we're like in a press conference thing with like ten, five feet away, but um, you know, to each their own. But yeah, so I, those off the top of my head, I feel like I'm missing somebody in terms Oh, Xavier Gibson's also very approachable and he's just like a really like nice kid. Um, they have a pretty good locker room, honestly. Like I, there's not like any bad apples in there. I would say um, everybody's pretty, pretty nice or has personality. Like even Garrett Wilson, you can go up to if you have like, a, qu- a question I, as I've, we've talked about on here he often will be like i gotta go walk my dog and then he leaves <laughs> uh and he's less available this year i would say than in the past probably because he's just become like a bigger deal but 
um, very approachable, sauce approachable. Like all their best players are pretty approachable guys, which is cool. And Clemens, like, yeah, he's in tem- intimidating presence, but he gives you those one liners, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Chance. Although I guess a lot of those come from the podium. Uh, he, rare, rare occasion. There. There, so last year there was a game. I forget what game it was. I think he like had a big force fumble or something like that. And that, and so we talked to him in the locker room after the game. And he it was the Green Bay game. Yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, that's right. And he was like trying to figure out what to say. And he like would like laugh at a question because he didn't know like how he would. And then he would just say like one line, and that would be all we needed, kind of thing. Um, he's a character, man. I, yeah, he, I think he's he's kind of flown under the radar a little. I think he missed the last game actually. Um, solid didn't solid didn't mention him this week, so I would. I don't know. We'll see what that means practice wise, but um, yeah, he's a fun. He's a fun one. All right, next question, and this one's kind of like just the elephant. This one had to pop up at some point, so let's just throw it in here. NY Jets fan Mike, here's my question for Zach. Any chance that Rodgers actually returns this season? I mean, chance, yes. I Like, I still – I think even he's tried to temper the expectations a little bit because I think it's gotten a little out of whack, probably because he talks once a week, and he talked again last night on the Manning cast. Um He's made amazing progress, but there's still like a lot of steps between now and like him actually being on the field, taking hits. Um, you know, I, if there's anybody that could go against the doctor's wishes, it would maybe be him. Um, I can't imagine a doctor would fully clear him in time for what. So if he doesn't come back in December, it would be January when there's like two or three games left. Um, like that's probably the best case scenario. Um, maybe the playoffs if they make it, but like then there's the whole dilemma of like. <laughs> are, are you really going to take Zach out and like put in a quarterback who runs a more complicated style of quarterbacking? I don't know. I, well, I think talk about possible. ruining Zach for good. Right? <laughs> like he, yeah, he leads yeah. this team to the playoffs the and then you it, yeah. I mean, so I don't know. There's a lot of factors. I I'm still skeptical to a degree, but I, with each passing like update and watching him on the field, like I definitely like, I feel like, I, I don't know if I maybe put 20%, like 20% chance he comes back, which is pretty high considering it's Achilles injury for a 39 year old. Um, and there's also the factor of like, he's going to have to weigh whether he wants to risk it too. Like it, if you come back too early, like that's, that's a part that people are forgetting. Like if he comes back too early and he gets hit the wrong way, like that could be the end. So I, uh, that's why I'm still skeptical while open, more open to the possibility than in week one, when I'm like, well, his season's over. The jet season is over. And that, we're back to normal. <laughs> that Christmas Eve game. I, I know I keep saying it like, that's not, it's just it feels like there's so much momentum of like there's that three game stretch there where it's like their last it's their last home game and there's just something about that like I think Rogers likes to do this thing where he like hints at something and then everybody yeah, talks yeah. So, talks about it and then he plays it down and then he wants to be the one to say he's coming back he did that with the trade it was like yeah I want to be moved I want to go to the Jets and then he like wouldn't talk about it and he's like let's temper the expectations nothing's happened yet and it's like dude you just said you're going to the jets like <laughs> we're gonna talk about it and then you know and then he and then he was like no i'm the one going to the jet like it's just kind of <laughs> one of those things he does but there was a video that for you know, everyone went viral with him throwing there was a video of him after walking off the field where he literally jumps off his other foot and like lands on both feet and i was like what is going on here like if you start to see him i think we'll know where they're at post this three game stretch. Cause if they're really six and three, look, you can the way Zach's playing. I know he's made progress. You would bench Zach a hundred times. Zach would bench himself a hundred times over a hundred for Rogers, let alone whether he's playing well or not. The jets are kind of doing exactly the the perfect recipe for Rogers to come back. If he want, like if he's able to though, where it's like the defense is playing awesome. The skill guys you like a lot, sure. the offensive line's getting better. The coaching's seemingly kind of figuring it out. It's like everything's pointing to him in a much better situation, even than maybe week one. And then it's like Zach's playing well enough to kind of hold the fourth down, not turning it over. But other than the Chiefs game, Zach's not exactly throwing for 350 and <laughs> six touchdowns a game, right? So it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't know if he'll actually come back, but I, there's just this weird thing where like, I feel like it's initially he hinted at it. And now it's like watching him actually like throw a football and like transfer weight and doing these other things. I don't, it just feels like there's a lot more realisticness i guess to it there was a cbs doctor i don't know if he works for, i don't know what the deal was again who knows if this guy knows what he's talking about but he said that the way roger's at like where he's at he's at week 13 or 14 already of his rehab based on what he's doing and if it keeps following this timeline technically week 15 would be like the nine month mark for what rogers is at 
I just don't know how much I I don't know. It, it's it's cool that we're even talking about it though. It is. Yeah. I think there's yeah. like the optimism. I, I asked. Well, it's like it's like the this. carrot. It's like a carrot on a stick. Like yeah, I said it's good I podcast you, content. I, I said, do you guys <laughs> think of, do you guys think about this at all in the locker room of like this guy that was supposed to save you know save us this year and lead us to a title might actually come back? He's like, we don't think about it. And in my head, I'm like, no, nah, they're thinking about it. The fact that he's <laughs> even out there, they're like, yo, if we get if we get close here, like, is he going to yeah, come yeah. back and lead us to a title? Um, I don't know. It, we'll see. I'll put it at forty percent just to be more optimistic. But if he, like I said, if they if they win the next three and he's starting to jog or like getting close to running by then, you're like, all right, now we have like a real conversation. Is like this really going to happen? I can't wait for him to release the a real video on on social of like he's with, doing with a the doc, rocky right? music and like isn't he doing whole, a doc i think think people think they are because there's like extra cameras that have been following him around apparently so yeah when and he's been tagging a photographer in a lot of the uh, pictures on his instagram too i noticed that like they're definitely like professional shots so of course there's a doc <laughs> everybody saw jason kelsey's doc and now they're like all right yeah 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 well and there's also um, the, the last dancing and lebron has been having a film crew follow him like they're all doing it now yeah. All right. Next one's from the chat from Cameron McLaurin. Do you think Becton will make a stink about moving back to right tackle when Brown comes back? Salah's best five comment makes this sound inevitable. Oh man, well, it's want, a, a very interesting thing. I, I, I lean towards them not like messing things up. While also I know how much Salah and the coaching staff likes and values Dwayne Brown, and if Dwayne's like, I'm not doing anything other than left tackle. Like I don't know if you would do that or not, but. He has never played another position before, and he's that's as the older, thing, right? Is and he's he, as old as Aaron Rodgers? Who's um, never played? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't really have a great prediction for how it's going to go, especially because they have so many other moving parts in the offensive line right now. With Tittman injured, like can Brown play guard? Like Jason Peters played guard later in his career. I was just going to say that um, Jason Peters had never played guard, and he just like yeah. stepped in last year and did it. Yeah, and it would be hard sell, especially with this fan base, to move Mackay Becton. I don't think he's been as good as the perception. I think he's been you know, good though. And he's gotten better as the season has gone. I think he has like those huge blocks and those highlight reel ones that get highlighted by like Brian Baldinger. Um, but he also like has some misses throughout the game, but um, he is very inexperienced is another key part of that. But the talent is obviously there. I would probably keep him at left tackle and either experiment with Dwayne at right tackle or right guard or, or just like have Dwayne be the backup until or unless somebody else gets hurt. Cause you, you assume somebody will at some point, like ultimately they have to decide, if they are, if the best five thing is what he means, then maybe that does lead to Makai to the right tackle. Because I, I feel like Makai and Dwayne, you're probably feel better about than Makai and Max Mitchell. At least the coaching staff would. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting spot. I know the fan base is very much soured on Dwayne Brown, and I get it based on like you know what happened in those first couple weeks. But I don't know. This coach, this this team loves Dwayne Brown. He's still around the team. He could have again retired if he wanted to, and he's still here. So. I have a hard time thinking they wouldn't put him back on the field, but I don't really feel like confident that he's going to be a starter right away either. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play it. Yeah. I just wouldn't like mess with the kind of, they have looked a lot better the last few weeks. I know they gave him sacks last week. They've played. I think the one thing you can defend Brown is he came off zero training camp and by PFF metrics faced the hardest matchups of anybody in the NFL the first two weeks. So like maybe he'd be better, but at the same time, Makai's looked much better. He feels like he feels like he's gotten better each week. Lincoln Tomlinson's playing by far the best football he's played as a Jet, and I don't think it's a surprise that it's next to Beckton. I feel like they've kind of they they ran a there was a stunt the Eagles ran and like the Jets have been horrible at picking up stunts for like yeah probably oh, yeah. twelve yeah. years. And like not only did Makai pass it off well, but Lincoln full pancake. Like I was like, wait, did they just pick up a stunt and flatten somebody? This is you know. This is very unique for for a Jets, you know, offensive line. So I just, I don't know, maybe roll with it this week. If they look really good this week, or yeah, you can't good, change it. Yeah, you just it's you got to like. Then I don't know. Makai hasn't been durable his whole career. Maybe like there's a chance he could get hurt, or Max Mitchell has gotten banged up pretty much you know his entire time here. Who knows? And you know, depend again. It really depends on Tittman because if Tittman comes back, I don't even if it's not next week or something. The best five is pretty clearly. Like involving Tittman, Becton, and Tomlinson, McGovern, I think is by far their biggest issue on the offensive line. But yeah. I think Lake, of, I think Lakin's been better than the fans. Like the fans all don't talk about him when they don't hear. Because he him makes a lot of money. Him. It's yeah. the same thing yeah. with CJ Mosley, yeah. right? Like, well, it's funny. Mosley. We I don't think we mentioned his name all of training camp. 
yeah, which is great. It's just like there, right? Yeah, like I, I think he. Yeah, it's, it's it really is. It always winds up coming down to like where a guy's drafted and uh, money. And I, I'm a, yeah, I do think about with, and I'm sure we'll talk about him later. In the week. I always think about Leonard Williams at that because I feel like he's a guy that's been pigeonholed because of both his draft position and his uh, and the money he's made. But I think in terms of like just being an NFL player, he's like a very good NFL defensive lineman. And, and one of the few picks I think the Jets, you could argue, got right. I think fans hated on him when he was here because he wasn't getting sacks. Um, and he, I think he's ca- kind of like gotten a little bit back to that with the Giants where he's getting a lot of pressure, but no sack. I just think he's a solid defensive tackle. And so I think sometimes you have to remove what you're paying a guy and what they were drafted. And I don't know. Like Why does it bother everybody play? so much how much yeah. these guys get paid? It's a very like, good point, yeah. Like, yeah. CJ Mosley's been awesome here for a long time now, and he's good every year. He plays every well, game. And what, is is he supposed to say no when they offer him? You know what yeah, they offer oh, him? Like, it's hey, we're gonna re, we're gonna restructure your contract and front load you twenty one million dollars. That's gonna balloon your cap number in four years. Yeah. Okay. You can, cool. You can be <laughs> mad at you. Be mad at Mike McCagden, but like also, where would this team be without CJ Mosley? He's the, he's like as much of a he's leader been incredible as Rodgers was. And yeah, just like leadership, like Quincy Williams, like basically shadowed him for the last year. To learn he, from it, like Quincy would not be as good as he is without CJ Mosley. Like I the think first, fans need to appreciate like, two years ago, CJ Mosley is like, "Yo, you're running here." And he's like, "Okay," and then <laughs> like it, that's literally how it went. And like, I just, I don't know, I never understood that. Like, I understand the contract, even like the Lincoln, like was not good last year. Like by any metric, he was not a good player last year. He's durable, but like wasn't good. He was making a lot of money. I understand Brandon Sheriff was better, but like, I don't. know. At this point, I'm not telling everyone how to, you know. Obviously, it's a cap sport and whatever, but yeah. I don't know. CJ Uzama is by far their third best tight end, and he makes almost double digit millions of dollars a year. He's on the books for 11 million next year. Yeah. But also, that, you know, also that's, a, that's, it's Joe Douglas, that's Joe Douglas's fault for giving that much money to a blocking tight end. It's not, yeah, it's not his fault. He's not what they paid for necessarily. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I get being frustrated with players, and when a guy doesn't play well, I get criticized because I don't think Lakin played well last year either. But, um, yeah, like the money part shouldn't be a part of the criticism. And and I get it. Like it's as people are saying, like there's a salary cap, which is why like, okay, we're paying this guy this much money. Why isn't he amazing? But I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. You you pay you pay what you're off you you take the contract you're offered, like you're not gonna ask for less money. But like, I don't think I'm des- I don't think I deserve that. Yeah, so. I'm just saying this year, like I still see people like CJ's overpaid. I'm like, dude, like what is, I don't, he's really good. He's an all pro last year and he's on the, one of the three or four best defense in the NFL. And he's probably going to be an all pro again this year. And he's like, yeah. he's, if the jets, I've said this for a while now, CJ Mosley is like one or two all pros from being potential hall of fame guy. And like, he's the guy around the league. Like he was one of the first names that came here and has been good and mm-hmm. was like really well respected around the league. And people were like, Oh, he took the money, but now he's kind of embodied the Jets kind of culture. I feel like everything revolves around CJ. I know yeah. Rodgers this year, obviously, it's much more about Aaron. But, but defensively, yeah. Defensively, like CJ's the heartbeat of that team. Like that that peanut punch he had on uh you know against the Eagles, like that's his picture perfect. He's gonna play linebacker in the NFL. Like literally read that play perfectly and just punched the ball out with a clean left hook. That was that was pretty awesome. And he talks a lot of trash, by the way, which yeah, I did not does. realize. Well, him and him and Quincy are a great like pair in terms of their skills too. Like they just work very well together. Yeah, I agree. All right, what else you got, Tim? All right, looking ahead to this week's game and the Giants. We got a Giants question sneaking in here. Who gives the Giants a better chance to win right now, or I guess from the Jets' perspective, a worse chance to win right now, Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor? Will, you want to go first? Yeah. So this is one of those questions where I understand the reasoning why people are going to say Tyrod. I feel like Tyrod gets the ball a little quicker. He doesn't. His pocket presence is a little bit better. He's a little more slippery in the pocket. He's not really a good runner, and he's more willing to take shots. Like he's a good, he's one of those guys that's elusive in the pocket, not necessarily a good runner. Daniel Jones obviously hurts you with his legs, and at times has looked he did pretty well against the, it was a bad Jets team four years ago. But you know he's got these moments where he looks like a pretty good NFL quarterback. The only reason I'm gonna say like Tyrod, the Jets have just done really well against Tyrod, and they the last two years they've played him in the preseason and like knocked Tyrod out of a game in the first quarter and. I don't know if it's mental, but like if I'm Tyrod Taylor and I'm in my mid thirties, I'm like, dude, I do not want to play this defensive line to get hit. They seem to kill me. So I guess right now Tyrod gives them the best chance, but like I still rather also face Tyrod if I'm the Jets. I just feel like they've played him so many times. They've beaten him for the last couple of years. It just doesn't feel like it's necessarily is he really I know he's looked better. They've scored two offensive touchdowns the last two weeks. It's not like 
I don't know. I just don't feel like it's one of those either, either option. I think it's a great matchup for the jets. Um, but I guess Tyrod's not going to run as much and the jets sometimes do struggle with running quarterbacks. So I'll go with that. Yeah. The thing with Daniel Jones, I like, he was better last year than I thought he would be, but I, he's very much a guy that, um, in Zach, like Zach Wilson in some respect, but I think he has more physical talent than Zach. Uh, he, he needs everything around him to be good in order for him to be good. Like he's not a guy that's going to elevate around him and you know, he's getting paid like somebody who, who should probably be able to elevate. But you also, if you have a quarterback, you believe in, you have to pay him that much. So I don't think the contract's as big of a deal as it's maybe being made, even though he's having a bad year this year, their offensive line is an absolute disaster. And so I like their offensive, like jets fans, I think should appreciate what they have weirdly with their offensive line. Cause it could be worse. The giants have dealt with injuries. Andrew Thomas is better than anybody the Jets have on the O-line, but um, he's been injured. Evan Neal's been a disaster. They drafted John to Michael Smiths. I don't think he was looking great before he got hurt. Um, I know Jets fans wanted him over Joe Tittman at a certain point uh, in training camp. Not this um, Jets fan. Yeah. I mean, they have guys like Marcus McKethan and uh, uh, Josh Azudu, like all these guys who are playing. In Azudu might be the worst offensive line in football. Yeah, I, I feel bad because he's a mid-round pick playing as a rookie. Yeah. But like, good God. It's yeah, he's, he's rough. Justin Pugh, he, he he had shirts made of straight off the couch or whatever because he came off the couch and started at left tackle or whatever for them. Like, their offensive line's a disaster. Their receivers they have some talent, but it's a bunch of, like, slot receivers and Jalen Hyatt, and I, I don't really – I'm not really high in any of their receivers. Hyatt maybe has some potential, but, like, Darren Waller's the only one that really scares you a little bit, but they haven't even really used him very well. So, anyway, we just kind of went down the rabbit hole it's, there. But my, my point being, like, Daniel Jones is – more talented than Tyrod, but I think Daniel needs more around him to succeed. Whereas maybe Tyrod is a veteran, a little smarter, but yeah, to Will's point, I don't think either of them necessarily scare the jets. Cause if you can get some pressure on Daniel Jones and this defensive line should absolutely feast on that O-line, whether it's Daniel, I don't think, I imagine Daniel won't play. I could be wrong. He hasn't been clear for contact as of this recording on Tuesday. Um, if you Daniel's like Zach Wilson, where if he's getting pressured, he's having trouble. So um, if they're getting pressure on him, like, Again, this is probably going to be another one of those low-scoring games. Like I would generally take the under on Jets games this year. I would say, um, although Vegas does a really good job of picking the lines where you're like right on the edge of, oh man, that's exactly what I the number I was thinking. Like why did I have to make that the over/under? But um, yeah, I I think Daniel Jones probably gives them a better chance to win, but I don't think it's necessarily by a lot. I know this is the Jets' formula to win games on defense, but like this is like the most prototypical rush with four. CJ and Quincy have really good eyes and tackle well, and like they figure it out. Like if they just prevent the big play from the Giants and you contain Barkley, who had his worst NFL game ever four years ago, like Jamal Adams literally, that that game was 13 carries for one yard, and that was it was crazy. But like if you limit Barkley and limit any big plays from the Giants, like you're going to get home with four and you're going to cause yeah. pressure and a turnover. Like this is very much discipline eyes. Like sometimes the Jets rush lanes. I don't know if you guys noticed this too. Like early on in games, they like get so overly aggressive that they just overrun everything. If they can just like rush the way they're sitting there, they designated rush lanes the way they're supposed to, you're going to get home with Tyrod and Daniel Jones. And it's going to, whoever it's going to be a quarterback, it's going to be a pretty long day. Chase Young had a uh, couple of, a couple of sacks that, uh, on Sunday. That was like, Bryce Huff would uh, might have gotten there quicker than yeah. uh, the big Chase Young. All right, let's finish up real quick with uh, some short, fun ones. Um, this one coming off last week when we talked about Zach's pizza tour from Edward Nylander. Hey, Zach, in town for the game. Three pizza spots for me. I assume near – I mean, you can't really yeah, say – Yeah, so that's the thing. So there wasn't a specific like, about location. Maybe in so. Jersey. How about that, on that side of the river? Yeah, we can – okay, if it's in Jersey, then um, – so it – See, I also don't know if he like he has his car. Is he Ubering? But I would say I'm going to give more than three. So there's a place called Star Tavern. I've never been. It's supposed to be amazing. It's in uh, Orange, New Jersey. It's like people have called it like the best pizza like slice in Jersey. Raza in Jersey City. It's hard to get a reservation, but if you can, very good. There's a place called Rizzo in Jersey City, which has huge thin slices, which are amazing. It's like a little hole in the wall spot. And there's a spot near MetLife. You're staying in East Rutherford called Nat- Natoli's, N-A-T-O-I-L. N-A-T-O-L-I apostrophe S. The Giants used to give that to us on Fridays when I covered them, and it's pretty good. So 
those are in Hoboken. There's a place called Napoli's, which I very much like too. I don't know if Will knows any pizza. Yeah, Jersey. I, I can't really help you with Jersey. Yeah. I can help you with Long Island and Westchester, but I assume <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to the game, you're probably not staying in Westchester. If you are, yeah, exactly. John, Johnny's Pizza. It's like on the border of Yonker, I mean, uh, of Pelham and Mount Vernon. It's it's a Portnoy special. It's got like a nine one or nine two thin crust uh, pizza, but yeah. You're not going to really go wrong. Just stay away from like chain places and you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a good pizza. When in doubt, Sparrows, right? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> a real New York slice right there. Yeah. A real New York slice. <laughs> and if you are in Jersey City for one of those spots, make sure you stop by Zach's house. No, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll put my address in the description. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One last question to finish things off. This one came in through Twitter. How many Connors does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> Well, I imagine more than one because I can't imagine he can do it. I wasn't going to use so. this. Zach, you sent it to me. So I said, I would. <laughs> it's from at Brian Sternbeck, like, so we should yeah. give him a shout, shout out. Yeah, I would say probably more than one Connor because I can't imagine he can do any activity on his own. So yeah, we got two Jets Connors. So it makes it uh, a. That's it a true. Easy. But everyone on this pod knows we Everybody mean. knows who we're talking I know, about. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody mentioned Bazil, uh, Artichoke Bazil's in Hoboken, which is pretty good, too. Uh, which have gone now, now which, i'm starving uh, now i'm literally artichokes starving. have, artichokes <laughs> have grown too they're all over the place. yeah they're all over yeah um there was one when i lived in park slope there was one right around it was dangerous it was literally like a 12 second walk from me it was around the corner um the crazy thing there is the one the slice which their slices are so big huge yeah and they're still just five bucks which by new york standards I, yes. anywhere else in the country they'll be like five dollars yeah slice exactly yeah but by new york standards like that size of slice, I was always very impressed. I mean, I think that. I think Joe's is for a slice these days. The price has gone up of pizza. It's crazy. It used to be a nice slice. Yeah, I was going to say that or like, I don't know, by me growing up, it was always like, oh, your mom gave you five bucks going to going to like after school. I could get two slices of pizza and a garlic <laughs> and a soda nuts and a, and a soda. Or in a soda, just, right? Yeah. 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 And I canned a, soda. When I worked, I don't remember the name of it. When I worked in Chelsea Market, um, up the street, there was a pizza place and their lunch special was $5.00 two slices of cheese and a soda drink and i'm like mm. i don't know how they stayed in oh, i guess they didn't <laughs> stay yeah. in business but the, the rent especially in that area it like in chelsea good. like whew. uh but anyway all right hey will thanks so much for coming yeah, and, thanks, and joining man. us today man we appreciate it um keep up all the good work on your own pod thank you i appreciate it, guys it was a yeah, lot, we got a lot plenty of fun of, we got comments saying we should have you on more. So right, yeah, thanks, I don't know man. if that's a wow. shot at us, but it's definitely a compliment. <laughs> to you. Right, yeah, I'll take. I'll, no. We'll go with the positive. It's we're it's we're coming out of the bye. We're positive. We're gonna we're just gonna roll. We're glass gonna roll with the positive stuff. Yeah, glass half full until uh, until Sunday at probably two thirty if the game's tied. People <laughs> people are calling for all of our jobs. All right, we'll be back with a full Giants preview later in the week. Make sure you tune back in for that one. For Will and Zach, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for joining the Can't Wait Podcast.